better have the real thing. Amen. And if you got Jesus, just as he came out, praise Jesus, hallelujah to his name, we coming out too. I don't know about you, but folks, I don't know if you figured it out yet. If you're saved, this is as bad as it gets. <laughs> We're going to go out of here one day in victory, shouting all the way to heaven because of what Christ done for us when he died on the cross was buried, and three days later, he rose from the dead. I don't know about you, but that's where my hope's at this morning. Amen? And I don't know good song remind us of the great victory we have in Jesus over death. A um, couple things I want to remind you of this evening, why I'm thinking about it, before we get started. Justice and Macy are going to be having their honeymoon couple shower here at the church at 3 a.m., and um, I know we all love Justice, um, what a blessing he is and was and always will be to this church and also his bride-to-be, Miss Macy. If you don't know what a honeymoon shower is, you don't get them a gift, you contribute to the honeymoon. And being them both in the ministry, probably going to be needing some help, amen? So you can come and bless them. And It's everybody, men and women. You don't get out of this one, men, but they do have good food to eat. So come. I ain't never been to a shower. I'm looking forward to it, amen? And so if you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 2. I'm really excited about this message. Joshua, chapter 2. And I want to thank Maddie. Miss Maddie has stepped up. Y'all might not know who's back there. You know, somebody has to be running them words and paying attention, and uh, Maddie has stepped up. I tell you what, Jonathan, you got them all. won't be long. We'll have Izzy. What's he going to be doing? Izzy is in charge of... Keeping people watching. No, I'm sorry. But all kidding aside, I want to also make known while I'm thinking about it, something was found in the sanctuary this week that someone lost. And if you lost it and you know what I'm talking about, it's a pretty nice little gadget. If you can come tell me what it is, I'll give it back to you. But I've had quite a few people trying to claim it. So um, if you lost something and you need to let me know after church, let me know. Me, you, and Jesus will know who it is. So um, anyway, all kidding aside, this is a, a, a great message. It's an encouraging message. In the midst of God's wrath against the Canaanites, against the Gentile nations who were in the way, who were heathens, as his covenant people were going to be given the promised land, just as Jericho had a day of reckoning, a day when God was going to show up and bring total destruction. In the midst of those people, there was one lady named Rahab the harlot. She's named that everywhere you look in the Bible, who God was able to redeem. And I don't know about you, but you probably have people in your life, in your family even, possibly maybe even you, that think I've messed up, I've gone too far, my life is ruined. It's beyond repair, it's beyond restoring. And probably some of us has got people in our lives that have broken our hearts, that has disappointed us, that is just one time after another made us begin to think that not even God can help them. Rahab is a beautiful story of God's redemption that no matter how far you go, no matter where you may be in society's eyes, that no one is ever beyond the grace of God's redemption and who can be not only saved, but can be changed and made into a creature 
that is beautiful and pleasing to him, who he can even use for his glory. And as we look here today, we're going to read together, and then we're going to look at an outline, and we're going to run through it. The Bible says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. It was probably a house of you-know-what. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the city of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho went to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the forge, and as soon as they Who pursued them had gone out. They shut the gate. Now before the men lay down. She came up to them on the roof. And she said to the men. I know that the Lord has given you the land. And the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt and What you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above, and on earth beneath. Now therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Other translation says a sure sign. And to spare my father and my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for your lives. If none of you tell this business of ours, And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountains and lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. And afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear to. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet card in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street His blood shall be on his own head, 
and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And you tell this business of ours, if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which we have made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she said them away. And as they departed, she bound the scarlet card in the window. Father, I want to thank you today for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that is woven through the word of God from Genesis to Revelations, the cross of Calvary, which is the ultimate sure sign of a covenant promise that anyone who places the blood, the scarlet card, the cross of Calvary, the blood of the Passover lamb over the doorpost of their home, everyone under there was protected and you blessed them. Lord, today as we look and we see a lady who was called a harlot all over the word of God, but Lord, you redeemed her. You kept a promise to her. Help us to learn from these truths this morning and apply them to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to break this first chapter down this way. It's amazing to me that Rahab helped those two spies. (laughs) Of all the houses they went to, you would wonder, why would they choose a harlot's house? Well, because if you study and you look, it was common knowledge that the, the outer skirts, the poorer places, the places where you didn't want to go in a city were on the wall. The safest place, the nicest places were on the inner part of the city, usually where the palace was. And so it was like the red light district. It was not uncommon for men to come in and out of this lady's house. They were in and out all the time. So they probably figured this is a good place to hide. We can lodge. No one will see us as we're spying. So they had reasons probably to go in there. But their reasons, maybe some made by the flesh, are easily seen to be overshadowed by him who is providential and sovereign over all things. Because as they went in that house, they went into a lady's house who already seen and had heard and was believing and fearing their Lord. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And she recognized that these men were with the people of Israel, the God who had brought them out of Egypt. And the first thing I'm amazed at is Rahab's great decision. And everybody in here, my friend, sooner or later has to make a great decision. Whose side are you going to be on? Are you going to choose the winning side or the popular side? Because I'm here to tell you the popular side ain't always the side that wins. And as you look here, I want you to see these men show up and they go to her house. And as they're in there, the king, I don't imagine the king sent a a personal representative from his kingdom to her house many times. She was the bottom of society. But she sent a personal representative of the king and said, we've heard that these men came to your house tonight. Turn them over to us. For they are men who are spies who have come to spy out the land in the city. They're from our enemies, the, the, the Israelites, who have standing just the other side of the river. And I don't know why, but Rahab 
with all odds. Can you imagine? She didn't choose the king and his army to protect her family and herself. She didn't believe that the walls and the fortified city was going to be enough to stand against these people. So she goes and makes a decision to align herself with these men and the people that they represent. And friends, who you align yourself with in life is the most important thing you do next to choosing Jesus personally. Those in the church who have aligned themselves with the lies and the things of the world and the provisions of pleasure that they think the world can give them will one day be very disappointed. Those who decide to make the great decision to choose God and His people, though sometimes it may be difficult, though sometimes it may be disappointing, though sometimes it may be even hard to do, those are the people who God seeks to save, to redeem. Rahab was a harlot, a prostitute. Her home was a place where that kind of business went on. It's how she made her living. She had a father. She had brothers. She had sisters. It doesn't tell us what they thought of her or if they even was like her, but we do know they didn't live with her. And she said to these men, I'm going to help you. And since I'm showing kindness and mercy to you, will you promise me to show kindness and mercy back to me and my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all of their household? What would cause a woman to make a decision like that? Because not only did she have a great decision, she had great discernment. And sooner or later, you're going to have to discern. You're going to have to somewhere get understanding and wisdom to know what to choose to do. And may I tell you that it's not easy to choose to do right. That it's a lot easier to choose to do wrong. It's a lot easier to go the wrong way, I find, in life. Going the wrong way seems to be the way where everybody goes. <laughs> it's the majority that's going the wrong way. It's the majority, when you look around, that is choosing the wrong things. And the road that leads to God, Jesus said it himself, is the narrow road. It's the difficult road. It's the road that you've got to enter in through the narrow gate and few go down it. You won't get to hang out with all the popular people and the famous people and the rich people if you choose to follow God. And so this lady, what would make her in a place where she's got her own house, she's got a business, she's, she's not being doing bad, what would make her decide to go against her people her city, to not believe in the king's army and his protection, to not think this fortified city was enough to protect her. There's way too many today who think that their protection 
is in the things of this world. In the end, there ain't but one who can protect you. And that's the one who said he's going to raise you from the grave. We just sang about him. And so, look at her discernment. This is an amazing thing. This is a harlot. A prostitute. She's not a, the type of person who would, you look at it as a wise person. A noble person. But I want you to look at with me what she says in verse 9. She said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land. I can understand and see that's obvious. That the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings on the other side of the Jordan... Whom you utterly destroyed. That had just recently happened. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Anyone with an ounce of understanding and discernment knows that America is headed to a day of reckoning. Destruction is coming. The imminent return of the Lord is near. And he ain't coming back to save folks this time. He's coming back to judge those who rejected his offer through the gospel. He's coming back to once and for all show the world who is God. So you better have understanding today of the decisions you make. And the choices you choose. And you better choose the Lord. Amen. This lady when she looked at it. She said America may be great. But America cannot give me security. America may be awesome. But America cannot make me prosperous. My security. My prosperity. My purpose and fulfillment in living doesn't come what I get in this city or in our country, but in Him. The one who saves me, the one who redeems me, the one who gave life to me, the one who every morning gets me up, the one who every night lays me down, who gives me peace beyond understanding, who looks at me even in my sin and because of his blood and because of his commitment washes me and makes me new and cleans me up and fills me again with his spirit when I say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I choose you. Even though everybody else seems to choose the wrong way, Lord, help me to go the right way. And this lady had an unbelievable great discernment. I look around today at what we who proclaim to be God's people participate in every day. And the choices we make and the decisions we practice that are no way what God wants us to do. And I say, Lord, help us starting with me. I'm the worst. Do you know, as a preacher, I'm blessed to be able to read the Bible every day? To spend in my life is to study the Bible. To learn everything I can about God and His truths so that I can share it with you. But the more truth He shows me, the more truth I'm accountable to. 
the more understanding and discernment it gives me, the more I better be making good decisions with them. But today, it's like we hear the word, amen it. Oh, that's the truth. And we think because we agree with it, that's all we got to do. But you can agree with it if you don't apply it and obey it. It's not going to be much faith. Because, friends, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Friends, our faith is going to be shown by what we do, not also by what we say we believe. And so her faith, her discernment, she trusted those two spies. She hid them at the risk of her own life. In her own house, she covered them up. You know, everyone gets caught up in the fact that she lied. How could God bless her? Because she lied. (laughs) How many of you ain't never lied? But her lie was in doing what it took to protect the people who were with God. She told him, I don't know where he went. I'm not sure where they are. And she hid them. Then she went up and she told him where she had sent them. And told them, don't go to the river. That's where I just sent them. You go up in the mountains and wait. Let them look up and down the river. They're thinking you're trying to cross the river. See, she did it to help. To aid. To show where her allegiance was. And she showed God's people what they needed to know. And friends, listen. When you choose God. And you align yourself on God's side. It opens all kinds of doors of opportunity that disobedient people who reject God don't have access to. So you can say, I believe in God's word, but if you constantly reject it, if you constantly don't obey it, you're not going to have all the benefits that it offers, no matter how much you say you believe God. So this lady, she put her mouth What she said with her mouth, she backed up with her actions and she helped these men. And so the next thing I see is, and and y'all might say, how do you get this stuff? I'll just tell you, this is what God showed it to me. Rahab's great deal. (laughs) And I said, that's not very spiritual. Well, I don't know about you, but I got to deal with God. Lord, I believe you. I trust you. You offered me a. A, a, a promise deals are made on promises and you promised me that if I will confess that I've sinned and if I will repent of the things I've done wrong against you and I will align myself with you and I will show myself to be true to you that you will forgive me and you will save me friends I don't know about you but we've all made a deal if you think about it <laughs> I'm going to heaven based on a deal God promised (laughs) that I couldn't make. But I want you to think about this. Rahab, who's made this great decision to help these spies, to protect them, to help them in any way she can because she understood that the city was gone. It was going to fall. Friends, I don't know about you, but America's time is very limited. The world's time is very limited. 
It's not that if God is going to judge America, America is already under his judgment. Wake up. Get in the word. Ask for some discernment. But the wonderful thing about this was in the midst of judgment, in the midst of a city that was about to get destroyed, God was willing to make a deal with one person in the whole city, and she was a harlot. (laughs) Blows your mind. Why would he make a deal with that one harlot? Because she was the one who believed in him enough to align herself with him and to show her true faith in him by committing herself to that which is his. What are you committed to this morning? What have you spent all your life on this week? Who have you hung out with? What have you used your assets, your home, your lodging, Your abilities to aid and help. She gave help to the two spies. And friends, listen, she begins to beg. And someone said that everyone is just, every sinner is just a a beggar begging for bread. But I want you to look at what it says when you look with me in verse 12. She says, now therefore I beg you, I beg you. Swear to me, promise me by the Lord, not by you, by the Lord. Since I have shown you kindness and you also have shown me kindness. And to my father's house and give me a true token. Give me a sure sign. Give me something that I know that we have an agreement on. And so the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And so what does she do? She lets them down by a rope through the window. For her house was on the city wall. She helps them to escape. She dwelt on the wall. And she says to them, get to the mountains. Let the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this scarlet card in the window through which you let us down. Apparently this rope that she let them down was of scarlet color. That's of red. That's, that's a red color. And as she got them down by that rope, they said, you keep this cord, this scarlet cord hanging in this window. Do not take it up. And listen what they say. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your fathers and your mother, your brothers and all your father's household into your own home. The home that's got the scarlet card tied in it. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street of his blood shall be on his own head. And we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on your head. And if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath. Our deal, which you made us swear. And then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet card in the window.
Now let's think a while. They leave. She believes in all her heart that they're going to come back. And their God's going to give them the city. And that they're going to destroy everything. She could begin to have second thoughts. Any of you ever faltered in your faith? Any of you ever doubted your decision? So what did the men say? If you change your mind and you go tell on us and you give away our business, the deal's off. You hang this scarlet cord in your window. And we're not going to go all in the city looking for your folks. You go get your folks, you bring them here, and you put them in this house. And everyone who's under the shelter of the scarlet cord, we give you our word. We will protect them. We will show them kindness just like you showed us. May I tell you, that's the same deal we got with Jesus. It's the same deal that the Israel gods got at the Passover. Friends, the blood of the lamb is throughout the scriptures. In the garden, when they sinned, the innocent blood of those animals that surrendered their skins, that was placed on them to cover their sin, was the beginning of this picture that we see portrayed here so beautifully. At the Passover, when they were fixing to be um, let out and delivered from Egypt, God finally, after all the other things they've done to them, said, tonight we're going to break them. Because the death angel's coming, he's going to kill the firstborn of every Egyptian. Not only them, but their animals, their stock. Every firstborn's going to die except for y'all. Y'all go and take a lamb, an innocent lamb, a, a spotless, perfect lamb. And bring it into your house and sacrifice it on the eve of this night. And then you take the blood and you put it over your doorpost. And you take the blood and you put it over the mantle of your home. And when God shows up, the destruction of Egypt won't befall you. He'll pass you. Friends, listen, when the destruction of God against Jericho came, the amazing thing we're going to see in a minute is everybody else's house on the wall fell, but it's obvious in the text that hers stood. <laughs> and friends I'm here to tell you today that every home in America every neighbor every kinfolk everybody you know that doesn't have the blood of the cross over their home their family and their life when God shows up here their house will crumble their life will be over unless they're under the blood just as this lady, can you imagine, went and got her father and her mother and said, you got to come to my house. I met those spies, and if you go tell, the deal's off. But they're coming, and their God's going to give us, give them this city. But if you'll come with me, and you'll come in my home, I let them go, and I help them. And they've promised just as I help them, they're going to help us. Just as I showed them kindness, they're going to show us kindness. But you got to come to my house because they gave us a sure sign. It's a red cord. What? They probably laughed at that red cord at first just like most of our neighbors laugh at the cross. How can a cross from 2,000 years ago have anything that he could do to my life? Well, all I know is they told me if you come to my house when it happens. This lady was an evangelist, boy. Her faith was so real she convinced them all. They all came to her house. Now, I want you to think about it. This didn't happen the next day. They made it back three days later, and they report to Joshua. And look what they report to Joshua. 
they report to Joshua that Jericho's certain defeat is coming, that we have victory. And look at the thing that they tells them. It says they departed and they went to the mountain. They stayed there three days. That was three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way. But they didn't find them. Of course they didn't find them because God was with them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had befallen them. They told him all about this lady who told them all about their God. And how everyone in the city, everyone she knew, his hearts are melted. They're, they're, they're full of fear. They're worried about our God. And so they told him in verse 24. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Now turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to begin to get finished here. In Joshua chapter 6, we see the ending of the story. Between this Rahab, the harlot, these two spies, and the people of God. In the first chapter, you see Rahab helping the two spies. (laughs) In chapter 6, you see the two spies helping Rahab. And you see Jericho's day of destruction. And on the same day that Jericho was destroyed, you see Rahab's day of deliverance. The day her life would never be the same ever again. Friends, the first thing you see when you get to chapter 6 is you look and you see in verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up. Because of the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. Now, by now, they've crossed over the flooded, out of the banks, impassable Jordan. God parted the Jordan just like he did the Red Sea. The city scared to death. I imagine that probably helped her to convince them to come to her house. But I'll just think about this. Three days before they went to Joshua, three days later before Joshua said we crossed over, then once they crossed over, they went to Gilgal, they set up a place of worship, and they worshiped there and set up a memorial with the 12 stones. Then God came to him and said, before you go any further, I need you to circumcise everyone and for y'all to stay in this camp until you healed. I don't know how long that was, but I imagine it took a while before they would be able to fight again. And then on top of that, they, 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 they recognized and they, they, they consecrated and they had the first Passover that they had had to celebrate what God had done when they were in Egypt 40 years ago. And so some time has went by at a minimum a couple of weeks. And she's hung that cord in her window and she's telling her folks when they come, you got to be here. You can't be at your house. And you can't go tell the king or it's all over with for all of us. We got to keep our commitment and we got to keep our faith and we got to trust the deal we've made. And friends, can you imagine when they showed up? I bet the first thing she went done is to look out there and make sure that cord was hanging. (laughs) Oh no, Israel's here. They've camped out next door. In the morning, surely they're going to take the city by force. And y'all remember the story? I bet it blew their mind when they just got up. They took the Ark of the Covenant, which was a representation of the presence of their God. And they got seven of their priests with seven horns. And they said, put all the men of war in front of them and put everybody else behind them. 
and march around the city one time. And when we get to the end of the city, y'all blow the lamb's horns, but no one of you say a word and didn't go back to camp. First day. I bet when she went by, they didn't do nothing. I guarantee you she was holding up the cord. <laughs> Look at here, boys. Those two spies was in there somewhere. Friends, the second day they did the same thing. What? By the sixth day, most people that I encounter on a regular basis, faith is so weak, so not sure, so uncertain. They'd have probably said, man, I'm going home. I miss my bed. We don't want to stay here with you. But on the seventh day, they went around the city seven times. And on the last time, Joshua says, all right, when you go around the city on the seventh time, priest, you bow the horns, and everybody who belongs to the tribes of Israel, you shout to the Lord as loud as you can, for tomorrow the Lord shall give you the city. Look at the next verse. 17, 16. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed, I repeat, doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house because she did hid the messengers that we sent. And you by all means, he says, abstain from the accursed things. But look when you get down to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout. The wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city. Every man straight before him. And they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city. Both man and woman donkey and old ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword but Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her keep the deal boys every house on that wall all around that city fell but one I don't know about you, it makes me believe in the blood, amen? It makes me believe in the sure sign of God's power to save. So he saves her and her family. Look at this. And the young men who had been spies, verse 23, went in and they brought out Ahab, her father, her mother. Look, she, she convinced them all. That's why we need to be witnessing. That's why we need to be sharing. That's why we need to be telling them Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. There is no alternative. They're going to be destroyed if they aren't under the blood. That's why we need revival. That's why we need to wake up. That's why we keep preaching. And friends, that's why we must decide who we stand with. And friends, I want you to look at this. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Verse 25. And this is so cool. And Joshua spared Rahab, the harlot, her father's household, 
and all that she had. He saved her. But I want you to think about this. He not only saved her, he not only delivered her, he redeemed her. He changed her. She dwells in Israel to this day. How long had it been since they wrote this? I don't know. (laughs) Apparently it was in their lifetime. But not only did she continue to dwell with them, but she became one of them. She's even in the Bible, in the New Testament, a picture of true faith. Hebrews, she's in the Hebrew list of all of the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. She's listed with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She's listed with Moses. She's listed with all the great people of faith. And it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. She's an example of true belief. But guys, not only is she an example, and, there, and I notice you, they call her the harlot Rahab. If you got an NIV or a New American Standard, they call her Rahab the prostitute. And I want you to look at this. In James, she's listed. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? That's James and his teaching that faith without works is not real. That real faith will have works. And guys, this is the most amazing thing. Say, how do you know she lived with them? She married one of them. You see, there was an old boy from the tribe of Judah named Salmon. Could have been one of them spies. Who knows? But when he seen her and he seen her heart and he watched her, somewhere along the line he realized she loved his God enough to choose him and his people. The rest of her family, I don't think they went with them. But I know Rahab did. Because when you get to the gospel, the first chapter, the first verse of the New Testament, you get the book of the genealogy of Jesus, and you get a list of all his kinfolks. And Rahab is one of his kinfolks. Because a man named Solomon, who was a Jew from the tribe of Judah, married her. And they begot Boaz. Y'all may be familiar with old Boaz. Boaz is the beautiful picture of the kindred redeemer who redeemed Ruth, who was a Moabite, an outcast, an enemy of God. So Rahab's son, who begot Obed, and Obed married Ruth, And Obed begot Jesse. How many of you know who Jesse was? Jesse is the father of King David. King David is a picture of King Jesus. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but our God's redemption and his grace is so much bigger than the religious church of our day and age. It can save anybody. It'll reach out to the worst, the least of the least, the the unwanted is who he wants. If he can take a harlot named Rahab and change her life 
and connect her to a man from the tribe of Judah, Jesus' tribe. And she'd be married and from them have a lineage that are on the line of Christ. Friends, God is an awesome God. Don't give up on your heathen friends. Don't give up on your backslidden loved ones. Because if God can do this, he can do anything. And friends, listen, in the midst of the destruction that's coming, God's going to save a few. How many did he save in Jericho? One. And her family. I don't know about y'all, but I'm determined. I'm committed that our family's going to be part of those that are the chosen. I'm going to witness. I'm going to share. I'm going to pray. I'm going to love. I'm going to give everything I got in the name of Jesus to everybody that I know that I love enough that I want them to be spared. Because, friends, today, when Jesus comes, it's going to be wonderful in the rapture for us. But can you imagine for those who are left behind? Can you imagine for our loved ones who show no evidence of a commitment to Jesus? Now, I want you to think about this. Do you think it's a coincidence out of all the places God's men, his spies went, they went to her house? Out of all the people there, the one woman who had faith to believe and trust God. You see, that's the providence and the sovereignty of God. And throughout the scriptures, you see the sovereignty and the providence of God through his plan of redemption. A single scarlet cord dangling from a window does not produce thoughts of promised deliverance and certain death. Deliverance or a changed life unless you know its significance. Anybody else sees it, it's just a red cord. For Rahab, the harlot, and her family, the scarlet cord was a sure sign. It was a true token of a promise from the approaching Hebrew army that they would spare her because of her faith that she showed them was not in these walls, in this fortified city, in the king's army. Her faith was in their God. She believed her God was the one who would have total victory. And so listen, just as she protected the two Hebrew spies and helped them, And promised to not give them over. They protected her and her household. And saved them. And the scarlet cord was the sure sign of that promised deliverance. Today, the sure sign is the cross. There is no other way. The cross is the emblem of shame. I love that song, the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. But upon that old cross hung the dearest and best for a sinner. Do you get it? And what's he say? I will cling. To the old rocky cross. One of these days we're going to give up all the trophies of this world. And the only thing that's going to matter is that cross. Are you under it? Are you covered? Are you committed to it? I've made up my mind. I'm going down with it no matter what America chooses. I'm standing with the cross. Because when it's all over with. The only thing that will be standing is the cross 
and the one who hung on it. When he returns, he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. I'm going to help people that I don't want to help, people that I don't think deserve help, because that's what I've seen God do. And that's what we need to do. Today, I'm just going to tell you flat out, if you ain't saved, you need to get saved. If you don't know for sure the blood is applied, today is today of your salvation. But guys, listen, we need to, just like her, we need to make those great decisions. We need to decide maybe our lives ain't where they should be. We need to fully commit them to God. And friends, we need good discernment. We need God to help. That's what I'm doing, preaching now the word, hoping you'll get understanding of what God would want you to do. But friends, listen, in the end, Jericho was destroyed. Rahab was delivered. Jericho was gone forever. And Rahab will live forever, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's the deal. It's a pretty good one, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. It's a simple message. It's a simple response. Do I want Jesus? Am I going to commit to this blood? And am I going to put the cross over my life? And am I going to do what Jesus would want me to do? And friends, we look and we see. It doesn't take a lot of discernment. Just as they were troubled, they understood that the way they had been living was coming to a close. We understand that day's coming too. But the good news is that Jesus made a way. Father, as I pray, I, I know there's someone here that's not saved. They don't have that blessed assurance we sung about. The peace beyond understanding. They're troubled on every side even on the inside because Lord you don't dwell there Lord today I pray that just as Rahab made the good decision that she understood God was on the winning side and Lord you helped her to do that I pray that if there's one here that's not saved that you will help them to walk an aisle make a public profession and say I've come under the shelter of the scarlet card the blood of Jesus and Lord, for those of us who have maybe today had a wake-up call, help us to make decisions, to make good adjustments, to align ourselves with you. Lord, I thank you for repentance, and I thank you for the ability to be forgiven. And I pray today for anybody here who needs to do that, that your grace would help them. And Lord, I just look at the times that we're in, at the signs that are so obviously around us, and I can't help but every day in my spirit say, how much longer, Lord, can it go? How much farther can we get away from you? And you continue to wait. But you tell us that you wait because of your mercy. That you want everyone, Lord, to repent. That none need perish. Lord, help us today to come while we can. To be saved while we're able. And to come to you while you're near. For there will be a day one day when it's too late. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Save now. Redeem. And we will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.